But uh, from the from the first verse in chapter two, it kind of launches us into the reason why we're getting this uh, into uh, verse fourteen, where we're going to start today. But he said in verse one that I may reiterate the point, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Now, verse 14, uh, we're gonna, I'll go ahead and read some of this and we'll back, go back up to the top of it here. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man may say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful for the body. What does it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devils believe, also believe and tremble. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So let's, let's go back here to chapter, uh, verse 14 and, and really analyze this. This, this statement here is rhetorical uh, when he says, what does it profit? Uh, you know, if you say you have faith, there should be some evidence of that faith in your life. Now, to keep this in perspective of this, of this book, the image that the book of James portrays to us, and there's little inferences throughout this book, throughout, throughout the five chapters that we can u- utilize for other things and situations in our lives, but primarily the book was written because of the scattering of the Jews uh, especially those of the Christian faith, had been scattered among, the, among the, uh, the, the countries of the world. And they were in dire poverty, dire need. They were poor. They were destitute. And we dealt with that in the first chapter. But that is the overlying principle of this book, meeting the needs of people. Learning how to minister to people. Using the proper, you know, using money in the proper way rather than just selfishness. So, I'm going to make this statement that your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was never to be only for yourself. It's exactly like the, like the phrase or the concept that the matured tree is its fruit. The fruit of the tree is never for the tree. It's the same way in our lives. That what faith that we have in the Lord Jesus, and we all need to really, uh, our faith to increase, uh, not only in our personal lives, but in, in the people that we associate with, so that we can be a conduit, so that Jesus can be free to use us in any area that He needs to, wherever we're at. See, Whether it's monetarily, whether He needs you to be the one laying hands on the sick, whether he needs you to be used in any of the gifts of the Spirit, to give a word of wisdom to someone, some direction for their life. And it doesn't matter whether they believe it or not. You believe it, and you can show your faith by operating it for the, for the sake and for the benefit, for the blessing of others. 
So he says, uh, in, in retrospect here in chapter 2, verse 14, he, he's saying, what, what is the benefit of your faith if it does not produce results? I mean, I came up in an era where uh, when I went to Ramah and then there, you know, the latter 70s, late 70s, where that faith was so self-centered that, it, that you proved your faith by what kind of car you drove, by the things that you possessed, and people lauded you as a great person of faith. Well, listen to me. A great person of faith to me today, uh, 35, 40 years later, is someone who is going out and helping the, the, the poor people, the sick people, the people that are, that are without help in this present world, the children. It's a takeoff. Actually, this chapter 2 is a, is a takeoff directly of, of verse 27 in chapter 1, talking about, 20, about uh, you know, the, the proper kind of religion, helping people. Uh, uh, well, I'll just read that. Pure religion, undefiled before the, God the Father, is this, to visit the fatherless, that's orphans, the widows in their affliction. Now, what are you going to do when you go visit a widow in her affliction? Are you just going to pat her on the back and do what we're going to get into here in a few minutes and say be warmed and filled and not, not help her? So God wants us to help people. I'm talking about helping people with real help. I'm not talking about uh, uh, going in and praying for somebody who is sick and praying that God would give them grace to, to, to receive that sickness. I'm talking about going in and working miracles and signs and wonders. God intended that for all of us, not just for the ministry gifts. That is, that is a fallacy. Uh, I, I, am, I see myself, uh, and in my humble opinion, I feel like that every preacher, teacher, minister, should see themselves as head servants. In other words, I'm the lowest on the totem pole. I'm serving you the Word of God. Then you take the Word of God and serve it to the people around you and affect their lives with signs following. And that, that is the gist of what James is saying here. What is the benefit? I know one statement I heard one time, and I put it in my note here, inactive faith is the corpse of mere religion. So if you can't prove to people that you believe in the Lord Jesus, because they won't, I mean, this world needs... You know, they need proof. They need results. If you believe in healing, they need to not just see you healed, but see you go heal other people, you see. That's what God's will for us is. It's not for us to sit around and get this, uh, you, know, you know, all this comes to me, I'm good, I'm blessed, my four, no more. You know, we're happy. And we go to church and give our money and all, all that. So, if you do have... The right kind of faith. I think a lot of times it's really, it's really good when we talk about faith to really go into the depth of what that word really means. Uh, is that it's not just some kind of ethereal uh, guessing game, but it is, it is actually pistis, the word which means to believe in. The word, it means to trust and I don't know if you've looked at it or not, but you know, trusting God is one of the most difficult things that we do. And the reason is, is because our trusting depends on knowledge. 
You can't trust someone unless you know them. You say, well, I know God. I'm saved. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm talking about getting to know Him in a level of intimacy that you, there is no way in the world that you would blame Him for anything that happened to you. Uh, verse uh, chapter 1 verse 13 is still applicable here uh, in, in this letter that James wrote to these people the church at Jerusalem I assume since he was the pastor but that faith is very very important so if you have it and you do Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says that he has dealt to every man the measure of faith that doesn't mean that you have a big measure, I have a little measure, or what. It's talking about each one of us have an integral part in the body of Christ which, which has been supplied the necessary faith for us to make it, for us to do what we're supposed to be doing. So if you do have it, uh, and, if it and it doesn't work, then it's of no value, is it? I mean, it's easy to say stuff. Uh, I know back years and years ago, 40 years ago, I hate that I know this 40 years ago. I mean, that's just, I'm too old. Anyway, the, the, the popular thing to do back then was to correct everybody if they made a wrong confession. Well, you know, that's not faith. If you say, well, that just tickles me to death. Why, that was the wrong thing to say back then, boy. Nobody could say, tickle me to death, because it had death in there. And they would even change that and say, tickle me to life. I mean, give me a break. So, so I call that faith speak. Faith speak. If you have faith speak and have no works, your faith speak is of no value. Does that make sense? So he said... Uh, what does it profit, brethren, though a man say, and the word here is, is habitually, he, in other words, he keeps on saying, I have faith, I have faith, oh yeah, I have faith, I believe. You know, people will tell you right off the bat, uh, anybody out there, go to Walmart today and strike up with your mask on, strike up a conversation. And people will say, you talk to them about the Lord Jesus, usually they'll say, oh, well, I believe. I believe. It's easy to say you believe. But remember that word believe means to trust in, to rely on, to, 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 to have faith in. And a lot of people don't, see. It's, it's not that they're not saved. I'm not doubting that. But just because you say you believe uh, and, and you don't have any works. You know, in other words, it's, it's uh, people that are going, this guy going around saying, I, I have faith, I, I believe. Uh, he's always saying, in other words, it's just plain talk. It's just, he's all talk. It's sort of like what happened to me when I moved to Oklahoma and got my cowboy hat. I realized that I really wasn't a cowboy. I was just all hat. And that's what that means. This guy saying that he's, he, he, you know, he has faith, but really has no proof of it. All he is is just faith talk, faith speak. And it's of no value. It brings frustration People say, oh, you know, I, I believe, I believe. But then there's no proof of that, see. See, your faith can grow. I, there, there's so much. We're, I'm really praying about the next series to get into, and I, I may have it uh, on a Friday night uh, because I have so much to share with you, and, and I can't, I, you know, two hours a week with you is just not enough, and, and we can put it on CD. You don't really have to attend. We can put it on this medium 
But, uh, but there, there's a lot that needs to be said about faith because people have misunderstood what it is. And, and, and this is one of the, the things here that people, you know, they say they have faith, but they don't really understand what it, what it is. Uh, and, and he have not, he says, and he has not works. That means, this word actually, the tenses in the Greek, when he said that, it, it, it really means he never has works. It never proves out. Keeps on not having any work. Uh, basically, you could put it this way, never has any good works. You know, we, we do a lot of stuff a lot of times, but that doing a lot of times is not good. It's, it's just uh, wrong motives and that kind of thing. And then he asks a question. He says, can faith save me? Well, the, the, you know, the explanation point needs to be there. No. Just, just that faith cannot say. It has to be acted on. Faith must have a corresponding action. See, So you have to choose to believe, but then it's followed through with corresponding actions about that. Uh, and of course, a lot of guys will take off on you know, your money deal, uh, and it's so convenient to where you know, your corresponding actions that you have all your needs met, is, of course, is you need to give. But I am so sick and so over uh, the ulterior motives that preachers have about these offerings and about the tithing and about all that stuff. Uh, and and it's, uh, we all know where it comes from. It comes from their uh, weakness about believing God. So it's true our finances needs to be in, you know, uh, included in our walk of faith in the world. Our, because, you know... Uh, it's like, to the degree that you love is the degree that you give. And I'm not just talking about money. That's only a tiny part of that giving. Uh, you know, the degree that you love God will determine the degree that you give. That is, you give your time, you reach out and help people, just like he's, he's been saying about people not having things not being able to take care of themselves. And so, you, you, you know, your love for Him. So, so the overall concept about this faith needs to be couched in from Galatians where it says, faith which worketh by love. See? I mean, how many times have people tried to, to have faith and their motivation was not love? Their motivation was a Cadillac. Uh, or a motorcycle, or whatever. I mean, that, that's not, that shouldn't be our focus for our faith. God has no, has, you know, He knows that we have need of all these things that we desire. He, 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 he talked about that. He said, he said, you know, God knows that you have need of these things, all the things that the Gentiles have. We know that you want these things. But He said, if you'll put me first, I'm putting it in my own uh, uh, translation here. If you put me first and my mission on this earth first, all the things that the Gentiles seek will be added unto me. Well, that's our thermometer. Not, maybe just for me, but that, that kind of exposes my heart because there's a lot of things the Gentiles have I'd certainly like to have. <laughs> but nevertheless, I cannot afford to place my attention on those things. Uh, as we're studying on Wednesday evenings, and I ask you to read Colossians, it says, set your affection. That means to set your mind. What occupies your attention on things above? So, so that's, that's all capsuled in this 
uh, walk of faith here that we're talking about. So uh, the word, just the faith, saying you have faith, uh, will not save you. It will not produce the effect of the healing or the deliverance or whatever. It's not going to produce the, the proof that you need and others need that you do have faith, see. Because just saying it all the time is not going to make it happen. So, uh, that, that kind of faith cannot achieve. Now let's go to verse 15. He says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food. Now, now this word is in a third class conditional phrase. And that means that this, it's, it's a supposition that was taking place. The, the, these actually were taking place that a brother or sister be naked and destitute. Uh, 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 James 1, 4, and 5. Talking about, what, you know, he wants you not to lack anything. Letting ask, let him ask of God, so he lacketh nothing. I know that was good news for these people to hear. God doesn't want us to lack. He wants to have more than enough. I'm telling you, it, and this may be too hard for some people to swallow, but God's will is for you to have so much uh, in provision that you don't know what to do with it and you have to pray to give it away to people. That, that's God's will. That's how He is. He has so much. He wants people to receive. It pleases God to give you things. Just like it pleased me to give my children things. I mean, I, I loved it when I gave. Sometimes I'd be coming home from work when my little girls were, were, were very small, and I'd stop by a convenience store. Instead of buying a few pieces of candy, I would buy the whole box there in, in the thing, and then I'd come in with it behind my back, and they would be in the, in the living room running around, and I would just throw it all over the floor. And they would scream and squeal and say, you know, because, you know, I called those power moments. Well, God loves to have power moments with you. He wants to, he wants, oh, I feel this so strong. He wants to bless you more than you can imagine. That's the nature of our Heavenly Father. I like to think that that's where I got mine from. Uh, for my children, because I, I love giving them things. I love giving my grandkids things. So, uh, if anybody, any brother or sister, be uh, destitute, naked, or, or and destitute of daily food. Now, what is this word "naked"? It's the it's the Greek word uh, "gumenoi," which means not sufficient clothes. It really doesn't mean somebody walking around naked. Uh, over in uh, what is it? First Samuel nineteen, I think about verse twenty four. It, it, it talks about that that and he stripped off all his clothes and prophesied before Samuel and 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 lay down naked all that day and all that night. Uh, it's the it's the Hebrew word arum, which means bare or literally underwear. That that's what he was in. He was in his underwear. And John twenty one and seven, when Peter realized that it was Jesus on the shoreline over there cooking a, some fish and stuff for him. Uh, he, when he realized that, he said he 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 jumped. He he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. Meaning ill-clad, meaning he just had his undergarments on. So what what uh, what what this is saying here in James is that people are not ill. You know they're ill-clothed. They don't have enough uh, money to go buy sufficient clothing. And so this is what James is saying to us: Use your faith to help other people. 
I mean, what kind of a prayer? Think, think about that here. You get up one morning and you get into your prayer closet or wherever, whatever, ever how you pray, go on a walk, praying or whatever. And you say, Father, I just thank you today for enough provision from you. I trust you for enough provision that I can go and help a certain individual that I know about and just give them a bunch of clothes. That's, that's the kind of faith that works. That's what's going to get people's attention in our communities. I mean, I, I've known people like that in my life. I've known people that lived to give, not so that they could receive accolades, but so that they could just help people. And I'm telling you what, if Jesus said that you can give one cup of cold water in His name and for His sake, and, and that you won't lose your reward, imagine what you're going to, to the rewards you'll receive for, for pulling somebody out of the dregs of, you know, of society and, and helping them. You say, yeah, but you know, you, you can't just help everybody like that because they'll abuse it. And all. Well, that's not your business. If the Lord moves on you to go help someone, it doesn't matter what they do with it. You know, you've done your part. It's in their ballpark now. See, I mean, if we'd be the kind of church that we're supposed to be, not only will we help them with those physical needs, but we'll take them under our wing and start teaching and training them about the Lord Jesus and how to grow up in Him and be filled with the Spirit so they then can go and do the same thing that you just did, see? That's what James is talking about here. And then he says destitute, lacking of daily food, basically. That which is emphorious, which that means is just for one day. They're, they don't even have enough for one day. It's kind of interesting to me that, that over, uh, you know, when Jesus is talking about the manna, and then in Genesis when he's talking about the manna, or Exodus rather, when, when God fed them, John 6, I believe I, I put a note here, about the manna. That manna only lasted one day. And God supplied that every day. So God, our Father, which now we are children of God, we are the body of Christ, we are His representative in the earth. He wants us to be able to help people on a daily basis. Not just, not just for a while. I mean, I, I appreciate uh, food pantries that churches have. I, I think that's the most loving thing anybody can do. Uh, and maybe one day we can, we can do that ourselves and have one of those uh, food pantries. We had one in my church in Florida, and we fed lots of people every, every day. People would come by. So, so that's what he's talking about here. Uh, Acts 4.35, it said that distribution was made according as the need arose. According as the person had need, that because they all had all things common. That means they pooled all their resources together there in the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, this is right before the story about Ananias and Sapphira, who kept back, who was selfish. And, and, and kept back part of the money and lied to the Holy Spirit, and you know what happened to them. So he says, this was given to everybody when they had need. Now, people, that's what the church is supposed to be. I'm telling you, this is a little premature in this lesson, but I'm going to go ahead. Uh, if, if the church would be the church we're supposed to be, the government would not have to have welfare and food stamps because the church would have already met that need. It would have never come up. So now what they're doing, they're taking money from every person in this nation to help people that we're supposed to be the ones helping. I mean, that's, don't even get me started on nursing homes. I mean, my God. Families are supposed to take care of their old people, not put them away so they won't be bothered. See? I mean, one day your day's coming. <laughs> 
You know, if you live long enough, you're, you're going to be faced with these things. So, so, so my point is that me coming in here and being a pastor and a teacher and giving the Word of God out is not meeting the, the need of our community. You know, I'm giving the Word of God. That's my job. My job primarily is to get before the Lord in prayer and study of the Word uh, about things like this. But then our church needs to be an outreach to the community. And I don't mean, you know, come one of those uh, thrift store mega churches to where, you know, but still, we each need to find our place in the body of Christ and how we can affect those that are under the sphere of our influence. And the Holy Spirit will anoint us to do that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, which we'll get into uh, probably in about uh, two months on our Wednesday night uh, uh, teaching. But, it, but in there, verse 16, if you want to look at that now, uh, it says that the body operates every joint supplies. Every joint has a connection. It's, it's the word hafe, which means bond or connection. So the church is supposed to operate that kind of uh, uh, ministry. Amen? Now, verse 16, and then he says, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? He's saying, what good are you? All you're doing is just taking up breathing good air. I mean, think about that. This, this word, depart in peace, it's a, it's a Hebrewism. Uh, it was said a lot. It's still heard today. Over, if you go over to Israel, you'll hear that. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's, it's go in peace. It's said to someone uh, after you met their need. After you met... Think about that now. You run upon somebody, as in verse 14, or 15 here, somebody that only has underwear on, doesn't have anything to eat, and then you go up to them and you supply them clothing... You supply them food for that day, whatever they need. And then is when you're supposed to say, now go in peace, my brother. Go in peace. But James is talking about people in which we probably all know people that are like this that will say, well, you know, bless their heart. They, you know, they have made their own bed. Or excuse me, they, what is it? They slept in their own bed, so they have to make it, whatever the term is. Anything to keep us from being put out. That's what James is talking about here. And you know, this is, a, this is a very pastoral message today. But it needs to be said. People need to get, you know, wake up and get a clue. Why are you occupying in the kingdom of God and not doing anything about that? So, well, I don't really have money. Well, bless God, get, in, get your faith built up and get some money. You know, I mean, uh, I don't care what's facing us. God can supernaturally supply for us, and then we can be His arm uh, uh, outstretched. He, he can meet our need. I don't care if our money system goes down the tubes. God, our Father, is our provider. Amen? And then He says, uh, in fact, let's, let's look at uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 33 and 34. Jesus told the woman, He said, he said Thy faith has made thee whole. What? Thy faith, your trust in my word has made you whole, so go in peace. In other words, the need was met. Jesus said that. Go in peace. It, it's a common, it's a common uh, farewell word. It's sort of like, see ya. Wouldn't want to beat. No, they don't say that. 
See you. Aloha. Hasta mañana. It's, it's the same. Go in peace. It, you know, it's still heard today, as I said. And then he says, be warmed and filled. This word here, it, 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 it's used to, it's, it means to feed yourself. It's, it's a picture. The word pictures cattle that are led into a green pasture and they, they uh, feed themselves. See, Be warmed and filled. Uh, and, the, and the aspect here is that it's a negative. So what good does it do for you to tell somebody be warmed and filled? I mean, think about that. People are out there in the streets, in their underwear, not having, you know, their ill clothes, let's put it that way. I mean, I remember mom talking about people being, you know, her mother made clothes from feed sacks. Feed sack, and in fact, the feed, the feed companies, flour sacks and feed sacks, I don't know which, but they, they started making printed uh, material for their for their sacks because they knew that poor people would get them and make clothes and I remember mom you know her mother did that for them so 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 he's couching this in that he says if you tell somebody to be warmed and filled without making them warm and filled what what good is it they got into error about these things Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 says Jesus said take no thought what you shall put on what you shall eat you know, all these things, the technology, it's marimna. It means to not worry about it. We need to not worry. We need to trust. A lot of people's posture in prayer is not faith. It's like the wringing of the hands, and I call that worrying before God. That doesn't qualify as prayer. Complaining to God about the stuff that you don't have or the problems that you do have. Worrying before God will never get an answer satisfied. Ne- never ever. So bear in mind now that these people that James was talking to were poor also. They weren't just the rich. I mean, he was talking to the rich too. But these, he was saying the same word to both groups. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't help their own selves, much less helping others. So does that seem mean to tell a poor person to go meet somebody's need? I, I've seen videos where that they have put up a test run. They, you know, it was all set up, and this this man was on the sidewalk, didn't have a thing, and somebody gave him a hundred dollar bill or whatever the case was, and they watched what that man did. He went and cashed it, and then started handing it out to people. I, that's the love of God. There's more faith in that than a lot of people who sit in pews. Well, they're not sitting in pews today. Uh, but, you know, that go to church regularly and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's more faith in that. There's more love in that. Paul said, notice this. We quote this a lot. Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. Now think about that. Paul was saying this. He said, he did not say, My God shall supply all of my need according to... But that's the way we quote it. But he's talking about the people that you're, your sphere of influence, the people you minister to. He's talking about you getting from God so that you can meet people's needs. Because, see, God is, is the provider 
Uh, we, you know, and, and time won't permit us to go over into First Kings seventeen verses thirteen through sixteen. Write that down and read that story where that uh, the, the woman, the widow woman, the widow woman, was asked by Samuel to feed him, and she had nothing. And he told her to go, and she had just a little bit, I think, a little bit, and he made her, she made him a cake and a cruise of oil or something, whatever, and gave it to him, and if you'll look there, it did not fail. It did not fail. This happened to a wonderful friend of mine I haven't talked to in many, many years down in Guatemala when they were feeding the, the indigenous people there in Quetzaltenango, the Maya Indians, and they it came to the mission house. They had black beans and rice. And it got down to where they were, they were out. And so Jerry Zirkel uh, told, said, uh, join hands. And he prayed and said, Lord, we thank you that you provide. And every, that thing, that pot of beans and rice kept overflowing until every vessel in the mission house was full. And then it stopped. So you see, I'm talking about supernatural Sup, uh, supplying from God. We, we, we limit Him so much. Uh, and and I've, heard, I've had stories after stories where God has supernaturally uh, met the needs of people. I think uh, one time R.W. Schambach talked about his mother praying and they had no food whatsoever. And his mother said, we're going to pray. And they, they prayed and all of a sudden... I don't know whether there was a knock on the door or whatever, but they went out there and their porch was full of food for them. Chickens, I mean, I, uh, you know, roast chicken and all. He talked about it. It made you hungry just listening to him. But uh, verse 17 now. Even so, faith. Notice that word, even so. It's, in, it's a comparative phrase uh, about what he just had said. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. The word dead is necro. means a corpse. There's no life in it. There's no life in it. Being alone by itself. So faith always has a, co- a corresponding action. It always produces. It's never meant for selfishness. Second uh, Corinthians 8 9 says that Jesus became poor that we might become rich. Not so that we could sit around like kings and queens and be waited on hand and foot, but so that we can in turn go bless the world with what He's blessed us with. That is, that's what it's all about. I, I really do have a problem with these guys living in you know, 18, 20,000 feet, square feet mansions that call themselves servants of God. I mean, let's face it, Teru and I are totally satisfied over here at this little parsonage. I don't know how many square feet, what, 900,000 at the most? We would like to have another bathroom. But I'm telling you, it, you know, we need to get our priorities straight, especially in these last days. I'm telling you what, it, it's, it's a serious, serious deal. Uh, verse 18, let's go on. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. It, it's, just, it's just like in Jude, chapter 1, verse 12. Oh, there's only one chapter, but verse 12 says, uh, Clouds without water. D- these are they, they, they're clouds. You know, they look good, they sound good, they have a good gospel presentation, but there's no, there's no fruit. There's no water. It's just like, you know, my grandpa told me one time about the church getting together because they had been in a drought so long and the church got together and, 
and he didn't go to church. He was just laughing about it. And he said, uh, if the old ladies of the church got together and went inside the church and prayed and thanked God for rain, they walked out on the, the steps of the church after they were done, and there was a cloud up there, and one of the ladies said, well, it looks like it's going to go around us. <laughs> Talk about no faith. <laughs> so, a man may say, that's future tense, that, you know, people will always say, it's easy to say. It's hard to prove, but, but it's easy to say. Show me, that means dxon, which, is, which means to, to bring to full display. People want a demonstration of what we believe. That's why I said the other day, and some people kind of misunderstood me, I didn't make myself clear, about that if we discover that these things that I'm preaching like today doesn't work, I'm ready to go home. I, I just soon, you know, whether I'm took out by a truck or whatever, I, I'm done. But the fact is, it does work if we'll choose to step out there in boldness and say, yes, Father, use me. Expect the miracle. Expect it to happen. You have to keep your head out of it a lot of times because when you pray for somebody that's on a deathbed, it's hard to keep your mind out of it. But let your faith work. That's the title of this lesson. Let your faith work. Call those things with, they don't be apparent. They're not apparent. They don't look normal. But your faith calls it and it sees the end result, which is total healing. Amen? Now, I call it the Missouri faith. Prove it faith. Show me state, you know. So, if your faith never manifests, it's not good. Hebrews 11.6 says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. So guess what? These people James were talking to, they didn't please God. You're not pleasing to God. Let's, let's put it this, let's couch it real personal here. If all your faith does is meet your personal needs, it's of no value. It stops. And it's not meant to stop. It's meant to bless you and others all around you. Amen? So, uh, it's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, the things that belong to us. So, James is not discussing faith here, uh, works uh, rather, as a means uh, of salvation, but as a proof of faith. That, that's what he's talking about there. And then it says, uh, well, he, let's look at Hebrews eleven six 6 again. He said, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, first of all, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, we, we must believe that He is. He, most people, because of I guess our society, the way that we are, uh, especially in this nation, it, it's a lot easier to depend on our own works. Uh, but because, you know, basically people don't trust God for, for their lives. Uh, if, if, we will, if we will allow our faith to begin to work, then not only will that cause a deeper uh, intimacy with Father and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it will also cause our love to be shown. 
Jesus actually did say, they will know you are my disciples because of your love. See? And so it's very, very important. Uh, but if you trust Him, there's going to be results. Mark 9.39, I just really have to deal with this. He says, Jesus' disciples came to Him one afternoon and said, Look, there's this guy over here doing wonders, doing miracles in your name. But He's not with us. So, should we rebuke Him? And Jesus said this, and I'm telling you, there is so much wisdom in this statement, it just, it's way beyond my comprehension for all of it. But He says, For there is no man which shall do a miracle in My name that can slightly speak evil of me. How does that line up with James 1.13? When you say that God is behind your problem, you are speaking... Actually, the word... Rick taught on it again this morning. We were watching some of that. Rick Renner's uh, message about this today. It was interesting that it came on today, isn't it? Uh, but he used the word oppo. That means that God was indirectly involved in your destitute or naked ways or whatever uh, problem you have. That He's not directly in, in, you know, responsible, which would have been word hupo, but He's indirectly involved. Now, sadly enough to say, there are more Christians out there today, especially in, a, in good old USA, that believe that God is indirectly allowing things to happen to you so that you can be made better, so that you can, so that you can learn something from Him. I mean, why would He do that? That's so stupid. He sent the Holy Spirit to be the teacher. So now He's resorting to causing stupid stuff to happen to you so that you can, He can get your attention? Help us, Jesus. One friend that I, that I really have uh, had for a long time, he, he was seeking the Lord about these things, and he said that as he was studying about these things, he saw himself in a in a vision, uh, kind of like a little, kind of like a little play, a little skit. But he saw himself in a car with Jesus. He was driving. Jesus was on the passenger side and said, I've called you to the ministry. I've called you, and he listed what all he wanted him to do. And the, the person said, no, I won't do that. And so he said, Jesus says, okay. And Jesus broke all of his fingers. Broke them. And said, now will you serve me? Which you know what a disciple is. We were talking about that the other day. I mean, a self-disciplined follower of Jesus that gives up houses, lands, mothers, fathers, daughters, wives, all that for the kingdom of God. And he, of course, realized, well, you know, I, I still can't do that. And so then Jesus said, well, I'm going to take all of your kids. So Jesus killed his kids. And the guy w was just profusely crying and sobbing. He said, okay, okay, I'll do it. And then the scene switched to where they're in the car. And he was, he was, you know, saying, yeah. And Jesus was sitting there smiling and saying, aren't we having a good time? Now, that's the, that is a stupid analogy because Jesus doesn't do things like that. But the God and the Lord Jesus that we present to the world thinks that we believe those things. It's absurd. It's, it's completely absurd. He says, verse 19, 
Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. So, people that are always saying, I believe. I believe in God. People are always saying, you know, I trust the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's, let's see where your trust has gotten you and how it helps people. But notice how the, he couched this. He said, you believe that there is one God. You do well. The devils also, also believe. Of course they believe. Their belief doesn't call for a personal trust that He exists. Their belief is the fact that they can't deny it. God exists. So I want to ask you today, do you have devil faith or Jesus faith? Why? Well, I mean... Fools, some fools do not believe God exists. But most everybody in the world does. Now, their God that they believe in uh, many times is not like the God that you and I believe in. But just believing that God exists is not enough to get us on our pathway of walking in the faith of God. Mere creed or slogans will not save you. We have to believe these things. Uh, so... If you have to be strongly rebuked, I mean, your faith is on the level of the devils. A devil level. <laughs> it says that the devils believe it's, it's kai demonion, which means evil spirit. In other words, it, it, it ties them to it. Uh, Mark 5, verses 6 through 12. We can't get through that right now. But it is the... Uh, it is the... the uh, episode about Jesus casting the devils into swine. I call that the first suicide. Sui, S-E-W. The first suicide. Because he wanted them to take, you know, put them in the, in the pigs rather than in, in hell. But, uh, and then, and then verse, uh, Luke 8, 27 through 35. A man there that is controlled by demons. Same, same words being used. So believing is not enough we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder to them that diligently seek Him. I know a story one time where, you know, that's back in the days when people were doing a lot of demon hunting. They were just enamored with it. And so they'd, bring, they'd put a chair up front and uh, they'd pray over you until they could get the devils out of you that they said you had. So Barbara was one that was brought up, heavyset lady, never had been in a charismatic service before, didn't know what to expect. She sat down in the chair and they began praying over her. And finally, one of the preachers yelled out real loud, I command you to tell me your name. And Barbara, shaking and trembling with tears running down, said, Barbara... See what a circus we've made, <laughs> we've made with all these things. He says that the devils here, getting back to some serious dialogue, the devils tremble, believe and tremble. The word tremble is friso, which means to, to shudder or to bristle. Actually, this word refers to when the, back of the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when you're afraid or, or something happens. In, uh, and, and this word tremble is in the present tense, which means it's always true. 
that you know they they all tremble uh one thing that i may need to mention to you as as a pastor is that when you encounter someone who has a demonic manifestation that demon manifests in front of you because i'm telling you they're afraid and they want to put you in fear that they're stronger than you more powerful than you but let me let me quell your fear here when a demon is in manifestation he is at his weakest point all you have to do is calm down and stand there and say, I command you to leave. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And they'll leave because they're afraid of you. Because you see, not only do they believe in God, the devils, they believe in who we are. It's unfortunate that a lot of Christians don't believe who they are. But the devils believe who you are. And if they can think that you are getting the big idea, I mean, it scares them. They do not, and plus they do not like it when you pray in tongues. I mean, they, they can't stand it, first of all, because they, they uh, can't understand what you're saying, but uh, they, it burns them. I heard one, one guy say uh, that, uh, that he heard them say in the Spirit that it burns them when we do that. So, the devils here, they cannot act on it to receive from God or to help someone. In other words, their belief has no accompanying actions now verse 20 he says but wilt thou uh but wilt thou o man o vain man that faith will thou know o main van that that faith without works is dead this is this is in derogatory sense it's very strong language the word o here is really a note of explanation and, and vain means kinos empty-headed man don't you know empty-headed man it's used of a man who cannot be depended upon Look who he's likening these Christians at the church of Jerusalem now. Look who he's likening these non-functioning, faithless believers. That's an oxymoron. uh, Whose deeds do not correspond with their words. It's it's a word used of boasters and imposters. 1 Corinthians 13.1, we all know about that chapter. The word uh, uh, for charity though, is agape, but it's a, it's a form of the, the word which means love in action. So to, to, to sum this up, that's basically what we're talking about is that our faith, letting our faith work, is really letting our love work. We, we, wanna, we desire so much to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, but they'll only be used through humility and the love of God. So if we'll, if we'll keep ourselves in check, that's why I love praying in the Spirit so much because it keeps me in the love of God. Jude 20, 21. Uh, so 2 Peter 1 talks about all these things that we need to add to our faith, virtue and all those things. You can go read that list. He says, if these things abide in you and abound, he said, you will not be unfruitful. So faith will work for you. If you let it, if you let your faith work, it will work for you. Now, in, in the next few uh, uh, verses here, verses 21, 22, it says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? And, uh, of course, he's talking about the fact that uh, when he had offered his Isaac his son upon the altar, it says, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, 
and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, I'm, there's coming up a course on Abraham, the father of faith, that I'm going to do. I just don't know when. But in that, I'm leaving what I'm about to say here, because I have a lot to say about Abraham. Uh, but I'm going to leave it for that course and, and deal with those issues then. But, but I wanted to point out some things here that, uh, that, that uh, Abraham believed God and it was reputed, you know, for righteousness. And it, it was fulfilled. His faith was counted for righteousness. And, and his, what God told him that He wanted him to do and be, it was fulfilled. It, it, was, it was brought up to the level. It, it was made replete. And as we pointed out the other day, that Abraham was called the friend of God. He didn't call himself that. A lot of people want to boast that. We have a song about that. I am the friend of God. Yeah, but are you friends with sinners? You know, Jesus was friend with sinners. I think we could be more effective if we would make a point of becoming friends with sinners than focusing on your friendship with God. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for those sinners. He loves them just as much as He does you, no matter how, you know, what level your faith is on. So, so we see here in verse 24 that works and faith work together. That's, that's, that's called live faith. They work to, works, works and faith work together. Literally, it's shown to be righteous, uh, shown to be righteous and not just made righteous. And then we have the uh, illustration here in verse 25, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So we know the story. Go back and read that. Joshua chapter 2. I think it's about 21 verses there. It's a wonderful story how that she was used of God there because she had heard and what she heard produced faith in her. But Rahab put actions with that faith, see. And uh, somebody said, well, was her, her lie an act of faith? Listen, back then, treason was a death sentence. And had she been caught about what she did, she would have been killed. But, but she acted on her faith and she sent them out a different way. Verse 10 there uh, in Joshua 2 is talking about, For we heard. And uh, Hebrews 11.31 mentions her. And, and we'll probably get into that at some point. But uh, she received the spies with peace. She received the messengers. Uh, and she sent them out. She threw them out a window instead of a door. And tradition says that she married Solomon, rather Salmon, which is in the lineage of Jesus' family. There was two lineages from David, and one came down through Solomon, one came down through Salmon. Salmon was the father, was Joseph, and then Mary, of course, was through Solomon. So this woman was in the genealogy of Jesus, and out of her came priests and prophets. Think about that. Jeremiah and Ezekiel both came from her. So she believed God. It was the scarlet thread that she put down. Just read that's a wonderful story. It saved her and her relatives from being killed. And then verse 26, and we'll close here. For as the body without the spirit is dead, 
So then faith without works is dead. Now the body apart from, from the Spirit, it's, it's, it's pneuma. And you have to know in context whether that's talking about your spirit, which we know that if we didn't have a spirit, our body couldn't live. But in this context, it's talking about its breath. It's talking about, our, you know, we lose our breath, we're going to die. And that's the same thing, at, at, you know, faith without works is just like a body without breath. It cannot function. So your advance in the spiritual realm happens as you exercise your faith. And that's called growth. That's why we're doing the lessons on the maturing of the church on Wednesday nights. And I urge you, I urge you to focus on the information. You may not like how I present it, but the Word of God is there and you can, you can study it, meditate it, and research it your, yourself. But, but God wants us to grow up. Uh, uh, I know on my computer when I log in the lessons, I have to give a genre to put that under and I've called it growth because that's what it's all about. That's what Crosspoint is all about. It's about growth. And as we grow and mature in the Lord Jesus, we'll be, we'll be advantageous for the kingdom of God. We'll be an asset for the kingdom of God. We won't be a liability. We can help those that are liabilities. We can go and undergird them. So your trust in God's Word will always produce results, animation. It, it will come to pass. And he says in verse, you know, from verse 18, he says, you may say, can you back it, back it up? Can you back up what he's talking about here? I hope you've enjoyed this. I've, I've certainly enjoyed it and gotten some things myself from the Holy Spirit while this was going on. But uh, please, uh, if you can, uh, tune in again Wednesday evening. We'll have that uh, where the sound is a lot better. <laughs> I hope it was good today. Was it, ladies? Sound good today? So-so? But, uh, you know, one day, bless God, we'll have all the equipment and we can have different cameras and, they'll, and you know, that we'll, we'll put some kind of screen on it that'll make me look good and do all kinds of things. So, uh, anyway, as I, as I said, don't forget the, uh, the in-person service is next week. I know that they are imposing some limitations on that, uh, but I believe in my heart that the Lord Jesus told us to start then. There'll be no problems if you still feel iffy about it, sit at the house and watch us. It'll always be on this Facebook.